This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. This is the Sunday edition of the Busted Open Podcast. With Justin Labar, I'm Jonathan Hood. Justin, on today's show, we talk about TNA Hard to Kill from Las Vegas. What a rebirth of those three letters, TNA. I am psyched about what we have coming in the future. Sting's last match is going to take place in Greensboro, North Carolina at Revolution. Sting and Darby Allen against, we think, the Young Bucks. I think this is going to be a perfect match for Sting to end his career. Yeah, and we go round and round on the different booking scenarios of how this could play out, but I think we agree what AEW is going to do here. And our Sunday staple always with Brother Labar and Brotherhood is the busted open confessional. And boy, I got one and you got one that's going to blow people's minds. We need this safe space. We need it and the nation needs it. Enjoy the Sunday edition of the Busted Open Podcast. I thought that Hard to Kill was a terrific pay-per-view for uh, TNA, Justin, and the reason for that is because, again, new name, they're going back to the name of TNA in a, a unfamiliar place, going to Las Vegas and being able to sell out that venue uh, I just thought that uh, it was a home run overall for TNA. A lot of the uh, action, including Nick Nemeth, out of nowhere coming to TNA. It was a home run. And before we even get to Nick Nemeth and how they ended, I thought that even the way they started, if you watch that opening video, uh, the opening rally with the with the talent on the stage, I thought it was a great, um, you know, really well done, well produced. And and I'm glad they're back to the TNA name. You know, I I, I think that I think those three letters carry a lot of you know a lot of weight. You know, in the last twenty something years, um, I think people always always want to refer to it as TNA. So I think go back, go back to that, go to what people. You know, it's like here in Pittsburgh. You know, eighteen months ago, the football stadium that the that the NFL team plays in, as of eighteen months ago, was called Acrisure Stadium. There ain't a damn person here in Pittsburgh who calls it Acrisure Stadium. It's Heinz Field. Yeah, there's ketchup bottles. It's Heinz Field. It's Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I don't know what Acrisure's paying, but I don't think they're going to get their uh, return on investment. Um, TNA has always been TNA. Impact, whatever else, it's TNA. Happy to have them back of the name. Home run for this new iteration of TNA. And Nick Nemeth, look, that's a big deal. He has been with WWE for so long and has not had a match that's been outside of the WWE umbrella. And the fact that he's about to now do that with TNA, the fact that he's so he he's a guy talking about tribalism. I feel like he kind of uh he kind of is above that. I feel like he's been around for so long. And he's just a good enough wrestler, but he was never pushed to the fullest of WWE. That gives him credibility with those who would want to be, let's say, anti-WWE or would want to like complain, like, oh, WWE missed the boat with this guy. They didn't realize what they fully had. He's got that going for him, but then he has been around WWE long enough, and he's worked with every credible name, and he sells his ass off, and he's so entertaining that the WWE fans do still also respect him. It's like he kind of he's above he's above the noise. He's above the smoke. Everybody appreciates mm-hmm. this guy that is Nick Nemeth, and I think everybody's happy to see him get a fresh stab um, at, at, at a run here where absolutely I could see him as a TNA world champion, and I could, I could see him being a damn good one for a long time. Well, I, I think that people that saw the Dolph Ziggler character said, why isn't this guy a multi-time world heavyweight champion with a sustained run? Because you know that he was is a great worker. Um, I, I'm just... The one thing that always bothers me in wrestling is that you can have a talent and that talent could be so smooth and so good. It's like, oh, man, you can work with anybody. 
to the point where that means you can lose to anybody. That means you can put people over. And I just think that that's where Nemeth kind of fell into, wow, you know what? This is as good as Shawn Michaels as far as this smoothness and the technique in the ring. But he's so good that he can put everyone else over. And I just think from his standpoint, I think he's got such a fan base that people, it was a head scratcher for a lot of wrestling fans saying, why isn't this guy in the title picture? Why is this guy good enough to be in the semi-main or the main of a Raw or SmackDown, but not good enough to be able to elevate uh, in the company? Whatever happened behind the scenes, if John Cena is involved or, or Vince McMahon's involved, whatever it was, I think that he deserved better. Now, I'm sure he's probably listening and laughing and saying, but you know how much money I made in WWE? That's one thing. But but we wanted for Dolph Ziggler to shine more than he did. Not just because he's good in the mic, not because that he could put others over and he had some great matches, but we wanted him to be in that limelight to celebrate multiple times, as many times as Randy Orton or John Cena, for him to be able to have the spotlight of being a, a multi-time champion in big pay-per-view matches. And we didn't get enough of that with Dolph. And now Nick cool. Nemeth is in TNA. Well, that's the thing. He had been on the main roster with WWE since 2007, so his bank account's not hurting. Um, so he's made his money. He got to go around the world several times, and now he gets to do probably things on his own terms. And and, and that's exciting. And I think what's also exciting about it on his own terms, there's some things that you know we're you know we're going to get. You know we're going to get some charismatic promos because that's what he's that's what he is able to do. You know you're going to get him selling like selling some offense like nobody else can do because that's what he does. But he could also put some elements and some layers to his character, Nick Nemeth, that we never got to see prior. And one that comes to mind is, if you look into his history and read about him, he was a successful amateur wrestler in high school and then a successful collegiate wrestler. He wasn't Kurt Angle or Brock Lesnar decorated success, but still pretty damn good. And so, you know, that's an element to his offense and his presentation that if he wanted to incorporate it, that was not very Dolph Ziggler-ish, but under his own creative terms as Nick Nemeth and whatever he wants Nick Nemeth to be, that's you know. So that 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 that's what excites me is that we're going to get some of the best of what Dolph Ziggler can bring that that character that that element, but we're also going to get some new elements that Nick Nemeth can bring out that he's probably was handcuffed uh, uh, and and forbidden to do in the last twenty years. Uh, shout out to Alex Shelley who had the third longest reigning TNA Championship run, two hundred sixteen days as champion. I will admit to you. Justin Labar, that I was a little bit skeptical of Shelley being the TNA champion or the Impact champion at the time because I was, he was a, a great tag team wrestler with Chris Saban. Motor City Machine Guns are one of my favorite tag teams of all time, and I've been watching wrestling for a long time. Uh, and so to see Shelly in that position, I was like, I'm not so sure. And then to watch week after week and read about what Shelly was doing with that championship, he did a great job with it. And so here's the company going back to Moose. Uh, a wrestler they have not given up on. And I thought that at some point Moose would have left TNA slash Impact Wrestling and gone to the WWE or gone someplace else. But they go circle right back to Moose again because Moose is amazing how his body has transformed. Like He's always been a big guy, uh, but Tom Hannafin, the play-by-play guy, said I think he said he was 255. I mean, not an ounce of body fat on him. And so you look at that Greek god and you say, yeah, let's go. Let's run it back with Moose because, again, the NFL background and Moose knows people and they're, you know, so let's just do it. He's the champion. I don't think that Nemeth showing up overshadowed it. I want to focus on Moose because with him as champion, 
there's an opportunity here with the system, because that's the group that he's in now, that they could be able to reign supreme in TNA for a while. Yeah, factions can go a long way. And you're right. So that that's a that's a nice situation to try to, you know, uh, be on top of the car to try to oppress everybody beneath you. And, and, and that's that's a good heel world title run and situation here. Um, I'm, 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 I'm very interested in this. Like you said, not an ounce of fat on them. I mean, this is a visual business. And I and I always tout about the airport test and this and that. And and if you have somebody you have somebody new sitting next to you, turning on the TV watching TNA Hard to Kill, they're gonna go, hey, who's that? Who's that big guy? And so, yeah, I mean, it is crazy. I didn't. I don't. I don't. If you would have asked me, whatever year in the past, oh, in twenty twenty four, is Moose still gonna be with TNA? I would have been like, no. <laughs> no. But here we are. <laughs> because I remember Moose when he first started, and just like. Oh, it's like, all right, how's this big guy going to be able to work? His work is so much better than it was when we first saw him, and that just shows you how much he's evolved. His promo oh, is much better, better than it was. I mean, his promos are better than it was when he first started, so it just shows how much he's evolved. That guy is, is woven in the fabric of that company, and so now he uh, is the champion. Something else that stood out, too, Trinity did the honors for Jordan Grace and the TNA Knockouts champion, and, uh, and so... Uh, Jordan Grace, once again, is the champion defeating Trinity. Trinity, by the way, great run for her. Here's You're going into the unknown. You've been in that WWE system for a long time, and now you're on the outside of it. And I don't even understand. I'm sure that she doesn't understand at the time. Wow, you mean these people really love me. Sure, they love me in the WWE, feel the glow, all that, because I'm in the system. Outside the system, though, I think Trinity really found out that she, she has a base an audience that really appreciates what she does. And so much so she has an audience that uh, really appreciates her uh, that she got a chance to see Bailey and Mercedes Monet watching her match uh, there in a skybox. They were there at the event in Las Vegas. And that was like, wow, that blew my mind. That I mean, sure, they're friends. But the idea that Bailey's like, I got the night off. Mercedes, what are you doing? All right, let's go to Vegas. Let's go watch this. Pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, no, it was cool. It was cool to <laughs> see those two all bundled up and you know trying to be incognito like Statler and Waldorf up there in the top balcony and uh <laughs> you know it's an interesting take you said about Trinity um that's a real interesting kind of take because you're right you know you look at her career or her person career you know she starts as a funkadactyl you know? yeah and then transitions and then then she's involved in the divas reality shows and then she eventually kind of gets to break from that and starts to make her own and starts to show people hey she, i can wrestle and i have personality and i and, but 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 through all that to, to what you were saying jonathan she was always by association she was a funkadactyl or she now she's part of the divas cast now she's part you know so i think there is something to that that she you know left WWE, and obviously there was controversy around what happened in her departure uh but, but yeah like you said proving that she has a base proving that people care about her proving that she can get over on her own Without a without without having to have a gimmick of I'm the dancing funkadactyl I'm not I'm not I'm not one of the people on the diva show reality show, so I think that it, there is something to uh, also measure this run of success she's had outside of WWE and you know she drops the title, usually people drop the title before they're <clears throat> getting ready to make a move. So is this is this the precursor? Is she getting ready to go back to New York? Is she gonna join the bloodline? Like what are we doing here, Jay Hood? What's going on? Yeah, that sounds like on her way back to the WWE and what I I. You know, it has to be a little bit scary because you can do all the towns, right? You're in the WWE system. 
and they cheer you because you're at the beginning of the card or in the middle of the card. Oh, she's part of the attraction. That's great. But it has to be a little bit scary when you're outside that system and you've got to set up your own merch table. When, when you are in unfamiliar buildings, oh, you mean it's not 19,000 people here? Oh, I've got to perform in front of 500 people, 1,000 people, 1,500 people on the indies? Yeah, I don't know the women here, or I don't know the wrestlers here. Well, I know, well, I might know this person, you know, through extension, through somebody else, but here I am with my gym bag alone. That's got to be a little bit daunting, I think, for anybody. I'm just using Trinity for an example. But I just think that there's something to be said that when you're cheered and people give you a standing ovation and they, they give you love when you're outside the WWE system versus being in the system say, oh, well, I like you because you're a WWE superstar. Or I like you because you're an AEW person. Or I love you because I watch New Japan all the time. When you're out there by yourself, like a Matt Cardona at the top of the heap, that's got to be like at the beginning, like some butterflies. And then you get used to it. So, you know, hats off to her. Um, something else, too. I thought that the best match at Hard to Kill was Josh Alexander against Alexander Hammerstone. I thought that Josh Alexander and Alex Hammerstone was the best match I saw. Um, Hammerstone, by the way, not quite that 91 Hogan tan. I know he strives for the <laughs> Hulk Hogan 91 tan. I'm thinking 89, 90. I, I, I texted him. I didn't get a response back from him. But I believe I believe the maybe 89 with that tan. Um, but to me, <laughs> physical, fun, hell of a match. I thought that was the best thing I saw at Hard to Kill. You know, we've had Hammerstone um... – and Alexander here in the Pittsburgh here at IWC wrestling in Pittsburgh before. So I've seen both of them up close and personal mm-hmm. freak athletes, hard hitting. <laughs> You're right with Hammerstone. He's a, uh, d- just go ahead and put him in a time machine, send him back, put him in some Zubaz pants, a fanny pack, <laughs> put him on Venice beach, get him, get him a Ribera steakhouse jacket. He fits right in. Oh, God, he's so- hard hitting match though. I, I, I don't yeah. know if, I don't know if it was my favorite match of the night. And, and that's part of that's just because again, that hard to kill show was, so entertaining uh start to finish but man it just so i mean and like i said i knew what i was going to get out of these two so hard hitting when you watch these guys and their strikes and and this is where the venue uh amplifies things because you you are you know even though it was a a good crowd for them as i said first uh best best attendance in eight years it's still an intimate venue you know everybody is relatively speaking compared to being in a you know a basketball or hockey arena everybody is still pretty much on top of you and on top of the ring and so sound everybody can hear everything and so when you can hear the strikes at these two and you hear the breath coming out of the bodies uh i mean it's just it's a it's a it's again one of those matches where get somebody who hasn't watched pro wrestling before sit them down and say okay watch this oh yeah oh my god i i love the hell out of that matchup so physical so hard hitting uh it's what i expected i wasn't here's the thing the, the the essence of pro wrestling should be, I don't know who's going to go over. I'm just going to enjoy it. And I was not sure because I didn't know if Hammerstone signed a contract with TNA. I didn't know if he just came in for a one-off. I just know that I saw his um, his promo talking about, hey, you know what? I'm a free agent. I'm the big fish. That promo that he had. And he takes on Josh Alexander. I didn't know what the result's going to be. I just enjoyed it. I just thought it was fantastic. It was the best thing I saw on TNA. That's not to turn a blind eye to all the other stuff that I saw, but I, I enjoyed that the most. We got a chance to see uh, the X Division Championship with Saban, Chris Saban, Kushida, and Vikingo. But before we get there, so I did not... There's a lot of surprises on this show, this Hard to Kill, right? A lot of um, relationships and a lot of business that was taken care of. 
So AAA and TNA are back in bed. Are they are they bedfellows? Because um, did anyone tell Tony Khan that? I mean, <laughs> I mean he's, he's trying to get a handshake deal with everybody, and Vikingo ends up on on the TNA. I want to see this match again. I didn't think I got enough, Justin, of these three in the ring for the X Division Championship. It's funny you worded that way because that's I I felt kind of something similar. Like I was watching it and I I was enjoying it, but the same I felt like <clears throat> this match isn't isn't reaching its full potential. It felt like there was a little bit held back, or are we going to get? Do, do we have a series of matches that are going to follow with this? Is that why I feel like I'm not getting the full extent? I'm I'm, I'm not sure, but um, but I but I but I I sensed uh, the, the same kind of feeling watching it live. And then yeah, you know, to the relationship thing, I don't know. Pro wrestling is so weird. You know, the, the, this 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 personal handshake with this person, and then then you turn your back, and this person's doing this with this person. I don't know. I don't know where Tony and AEW fits into it all. I don't know. All I know is that I'm excited. Uh, strike up the Big E gif with me at the popcorn. Because I just know <laughs> that it means interesting things are going to happen. Dramatic things are going to happen. Whether they're dramatically, whether they're scripted or not, things are going to happen. So I like it. The number one pro wrestling show on the planet, Busted Open, is available seven days a week by subscribing and downloading the Busted Open podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. Join me alongside two WWE Hall of Famers, Mark Henry and Bully Ray, the hardcore legend, Tommy Dreamer, plus Thunder Rosa and Mickey James, all week long as we break down everything going on in and out of the ring. Listen to Busted Open right now on the SXM app or wherever you get your podcasts. When we think about Sting, I think that some of us are taking it for granted, Justin, that we're just a few months away from the end for Sting. I mean, we have been watching him for many, many months uh, for at AEW, and I think that AEW has done a terrific job of taking care of Sting. They've done a better job of taking care of Sting than WWE did with Goldberg and or The Undertaker, quite frankly. Because Sting, we all thought, okay, his last match... Maybe a singles match against Darby Allen, a singles match against someone. No, Sting is going to be in a tag team match against the Young Bucks, which I think is really cool because the Young Bucks, I think, are the perfect opponents for Darby and Sting. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But as far as this matchup against Powerhouse Hobbs and Takeshita, I worried about Sting in this match because Hobbs is a powerhouse and and, uh, uh, Takeshita is just an amazing uh, athlete. And so I was wondering, okay, how could Sting survive? Sting was just fine. The spots for Sting has just been amazing with him and Darby Allen's attack team. How many table spots does Sting have on his bucket list that he needs to do before he hangs it up, man? Um, no, it, it is a fun final run for him. I agree. AEW has, has handled it really well. Um, and I also agree, you know, it, it's been tag matches, but that's fine. Give the people what they want. They 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 want to they want to see him come out in this in this face paint. They want to hear him, you know, sc- you know, screaming to the crowd. They want to see all the, the you know the, the big moves. You know, let let Darby do the hard work. <laughs> let Darby do that stuff. You know, you don't 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 risk unnecessary injury, uh, or or, or, or don't rely on saying have to go out there and do you know a bunch of singles matches. I, I have no problem now looking at how this is all going down in the last couple of years, with this last run in Sting's career being uh, primarily all tag matches. Um, great on AEW from the last I saw. They are pretty much almost sold out, it looks like, uh, for the pay-per-view uh, in two months where it's going to be Sting's last match. So great on AEW, great on Sting. That that's uh, drawing the way it is. Uh, you know, that's what's the way you want to see him go out, go out in front of a, a sold-out house. 
all, all that said, when you have that coming down the line, I, I got so nervous. I, I don't when you when you have that coming down the line, I don't know if I want to see Sting doing blind back bumps off the stage into tables. Everything is fine. It's it's all good. Uh, but I don't know. That that was just the one thing. I'm like, oh oh, just, again, let <laughs> let Darby do that. But Sting's gonna sting. He he obviously wants to. Like I said, he's got some t- some table spots on the bucket list. He obviously wants to check it out, check it off. Uh, he's having he's he's living his best life. He is having one final ride. He is leaving no stone unturned. He is doing everything he wants to do. He's you know, he's he's working with the young guys. It's a lot of fun. It, it really is. Um, and I did not see if you if you would have given me five guesses. I don't think I would have landed on any of those five guesses of the Young Bucks being the opponents for Sting's last match. Well, you know, for our younger listeners, Justin, we have to point out, no, kids, Sting has not always done these uh, deathmatch moves. No, this is a new Sting because I remember Sting from the beginning in Mid-South. All right, that's how far back I go with Sting. In Mid-South, in the UWF, when he's part of Hot Stuff International, um, watching Sting, <laughs> he, he didn't do any of those things. His high spot was diving through the ropes or coming off the top rope and diving on someone or the Stinger Splash. That was the best that he was doing. He didn't do that in WWE, didn't have a chance to do that, uh, did not do that in TNA. All of this is new. It surprises all of us that's been watching Sting since 1987 that he's doing all of these things. It is <laughs> like he Sting is evolved, I guess you could say, in one way or shape or form, right? Because you see everyone doing these crazy dives, at least a lot of wrestlers, and Sting's doing it at his age. What, he's 62, 61? He's doing this stuff. So, no, he's not always been this. This is someone new that we've never seen before in Sting, and he's doing this as he's about to close out the chapter of his life as a wrestler. It's amazing. No, you're exactly right. I, I didn't even think of it from that perspective, but you're right. If we do have listeners who are younger or just newer wrestling fans, you're right. This is not him pulling out all the old hits that he became famous for. That ain't it. He, 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 didn't, he didn't make hits in this genre. This is a little bit of a new territory for him. No. He's no. a... He's uh he he's playing with the young kids right now. <laughs> yeah, he, he he was not diving off of balconies in 1990. The WCW champion. I just want to make sure because some don't know this. They they think man, Sting man, he's like it was an ECW, right? He was do- no Sting no. didn't do any of this stuff. No, <laughs> him, him 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 and the Dingo Warrior weren't exactly hardcore back in the 80s. No, no, they were not doing <laughs> these these things in Memphis to Jerry Lawler. No, they didn't do any of those things. No, this is all new, and it's just amazing to watch Sting do this. I'm so excited uh, for Greensboro because everyone will be celebrating a guy that's meant so much to so many wrestling fans over the years in Sting. Now. Now that we saw the Young Bucks come out and they confronted the two, Sting and Darby Allen, I believe that this is the right match for Sting and Darby Allen, the Young Bucks. And the reason why is because the Young Bucks, and as I told you in our confessions a few weeks ago, that I was not a Young Bucks fan for a long time because I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. But I understood uh, from a merchandising standpoint, as a business standpoint, I understand what a Young Bucks match is. But I think that the Young Bucks have evolved as well, Justin, and here's why. This is the perfect match for Sting and Darby Allen, the, the Young Bucks, because the Young Bucks know how to carry a tag team match. The best match uh, that we have seen from like uh, a number of young tag teams came from the Young Bucks. Matt and Jeff Hardy against the Young Bucks. You thought that was a dream match, and then the bell rang. 
unfortunately, for the Hardys, right? It just, it, it, it happens to everybody. You know, like those, the, the Hardys have been high flyers for a long time. And I know they're bitching about being on Rampage. I saw that on social media, but you know what? It happens to everybody. Everyone slows down. And the Young Bucks carried, they carried the Hardys in their matches together. They did. And so I just think that the Young Bucks are perfect for Sting and Darby Allen because, okay, Sting's not a high flyer anymore, but Young Bucks can be able to slow it down and make it exciting, and I believe that it'll be just fine. They can put the heat on Darby Allen, Sting will have his spots, and then the match will be what it is. It's going to be fine, though, because the Young Bucks will be able to adjust. I don't disagree with that in the sense of the Bucks being able to carry. Uh, and I And I'm not going to say that, the Young Bucks versus Sting and Darby for Sting's last match is the wrong match, but it's a surprising match. You know, if you would have, if they would have just said, okay, you know what, the last match for Sting is going to be Sting and Darby, and then they, and if they would have named, let's say again, like you know, two two heel members of Don Callis' family, or if they would have gave me two heels that who have been heels, okay, that's the match. I'm surprised. And I'm, and I'm interested, but, but that's the good thing. I'm interested. What's going to be the story going into this match? I know you don't need too much more at Sting's last match. That's 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 headline worthy. But to to have the opponents be the Young Bucks, who have primarily been baby faces in their run in AEW, to have them come out after having been off of TV for, for weeks, maybe months at this point, mm-hmm. brand new looks. They look like they just left a corporate retreat. Yep. You know, how to how to dress for success uh, as an EVP. They come out with this makeover. So, like, what's what's going to be the story here? Like, are, are they where's the heat going to be lead up to the match? Like, why them? Why? Like, you know, are they are they going to give us some tall tale about how, you know, they were inspired by, you know, young surfer sting and that 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 influenced their style but that style. Has only took them so far, so now we're redoing our image. I, 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 I want to know: Is there going to be a story? I know AEW's not always stories aren't always the strength. They, you know, they like to give you good matches. Sometimes there's lack in the story. So I'm curious: Is there going to be a story here, or is it just going to be, you know, the Young Bucks are a great team of this generation. It's the last match for Sting and Darby. Just enjoy it. Like I'm really curious what exactly they're going to give me here. I'd imagine that there's a story. You already have heat with them with because of the mustache, right? So yeah, heels. Well, their heels. Then. <laughs> I mean, it starts there, right? The look, yeah, the, yeah. the indignant look that they had on the ramp at Daly's place in Jacksonville told me, oh, they're heels. And it's amazing because within a year, they can be heels and baby faces quickly, as quick as you could say the big show. I mean, they they can do that within a calendar year. They can be they can work baby face or heel. It can be one of these situations where we've been overlooked. We're the young bucks, and we've been overlooked. And that out of everything and all these changes, people forgot about us. We're the best tag team ever. And what about us? How come we're not getting our celebration? Sting's getting this. Well, you know what? The best thing for us as the young bucks to be able to spoil Sting's homecoming, to spoil his last match, to for him to lose. It'll be whatever the record is for Sting and one. Could you imagine us being that one in the whatever, how many matches, and that Sting is one as a tag team wrestler with Darby Allen? We're the best tag team. We're going to show it in Sting's last match. There's that. I would love for the Young Bucks, and they can do it verbally because they're very good on the mic, to be able to put that seed of doubt in Sting being able to lose this match. Could you imagine the best tag team in the world, according to them, beating Sting? Sting doing the right thing 
That'll be, you know, the time-honored tradition, pal, of doing the right thing. That could be a thing too, Justin. That's what I was going to ask you. That's what I was going to ask you next was I know that we're still just under two months away. And so certainly as we get closer, we will you know do our hard line predictions. But just sitting at where we are now, knowing what we know, all we know is that it looks like it's going to be the Bucks, right? Yeah. We don't know. We, we, don't, we don't know what the promo is going to be. We're speculating right now. We're fantasy booking. But knowing what we know right now, what do you expect out of Sting's last match? Do you expect to feel good? He wins. He celebrates. Rise off of the sunset. Or like pro wrestling tradition says. If this is your last one, you go out looking at the lights. Like, what do you expect? You've been watching wrestling for over, what, 40 years. What What do you expect to see when Sting, because this is his last match. I think we all can agree. It's not like he's going to yes. have yes. this match and then pop up on TNA eight months from now and do another <laughs> run. All right? Yeah. Uh, unless TNA gets super hot and he just can't control himself. No, it's not going to happen. I this is his last match. I had to come, come back. back. <laughs> right. He's not going to show up in Saudi Arabia for another no. another WWE crown jewel. Like, no. this is it. So what do you expect him to do to go out? Because it's AEW, I expect for Sting to win and Darby Allen to win that tag team match against the Young Bucks. And the Young Bucks do the right thing. That's no skin off their nose if the Young Bucks lose. That doesn't it, – uh, Young Bucks will be just part of history. What the right thing to do – is for Sting and Darby Allen to take on a team that's on the rise, that's next, and for Sting to lose. But it's the Young Bucks, though. They're grizzled veterans. Not young veterans, but they're they're the Young Bucks. And so I would tell you, Justin Labar, that I think that Sting and Darby Allen are going to win because it's AEW. But say this was in WWE, I think that Sting and Darby Allen lose the match and Sting still gets all the applause and all the love. Thank you Sting for everything that you've done. Even in a loss, it's okay because it becomes oh, Sting lost. But let's celebrate Sting cuz we're all here at a sold out crowd in Greensboro. So because AEW, I think in Tony Khan's booking it, I think they want to make sure that Sting goes out undefeated the right way in AEW. And that and that's one way of booking and I have no problem with that. Okay. Uh, is, that, I, I, is that fair? Well, is it fair for me to, to to say that if it's WWE, it might go a different way? Absolutely. No, I think I agree with you. I think I think I agree with you. I think that's probably how AEW is going to do it. They're going to want that feel good moment for him in front of the crowd. But you're right. If this was WWE, it would be done. It, it would be done in the more traditional sense of he's going to lose going out, and we're going to help make somebody uh, in that process. Um, like and him. I mean, they're, and, they're, and, and neither one is necessarily wrong or right. It's just it's it, it's going to be how they execute it. I think at the end of the day, it's, we're, we'll be judging that that on how they execute it. Right, if tag team wrestling was really, really important to AEW, and it, and I have a problem with both AEW and WWE when it comes to tag team wrestling. I mean, again, you, we got the renaissance of the women. We got the renaissance of uh, long uh, term championship runs for like a Gunther or for a Roman Reigns. Um, and which is great, but where's the tag team revolution? Where's that? I love tag team wrestling when it's right. And I don't mean just throw two guys together and just piecemeal it. I mean, like having real quality 30 minute tag team wrestling, um, on a regular basis. That's what I grew up with. And we don't get that anymore, but I would say that if there was an up up and coming tag team, that's going to have a good run. I think the WWE would say, all right, Sting, I need you to do the honors. It's your last match. Make the business better by going out on your back. But I don't think AEW does business that way. They want, they want to do right by Sting for his last match in Greensboro. 
Yeah, they're going to want to do right by him. And, and, you know, the tag team, we can have a whole other conversation with that. I, I know what you're talking about. Traditional tag team wrestling, cutting the ring off, the psychology of oh. the tags and what you do, that that just is not on the menu for AEW. They they just they they're that's just not going to be their thing. And, and as good as FTR is, FTR isn't going to be able to work matches like that. And and they don't work matches quite like that in AEW because that's just not on the AEW menu to have that kind of old school. I don't think I don't think the crowd has patience or capacity for it. Their crowd, and then that's just again, it's all again, it's just the buffet flavor. It's just that part of the buffet that's just not the flavor. But uh, yeah, I agree. Sting standing tall. Uh, with Darby Allen, and then what's next for Darby? That'll be a whole other thing. Hi, everybody. Christopher Mad Dog Russo here. Familiar? You should be. Well, now you can catch Mad Dog's Daily Bite each day as a podcast where you'll hear my thoughts and opinions on the biggest topics around the world of sports. NFL, baseball, golf, NBA, even the hockey. That you know you can count on. That's Mad Dog's Daily Bite. Drops daily anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can also hear me weekdays 3 to 6 Eastern on Mad Dog Unleashed, Sirius XM Channel 8. Or anytime on the SXM app. This is something I've never told anyone else before. It's just something that's just been in me, but I just have been too embarrassed to say it. But now that we have this gimmick of bust open confessions, Justin, I got to tell you, man. So in WCW, there was this wrestler that was just so amazing. It's so different than everyone else. And that's what I love about wrestling is because everyone shouldn't be d- the same, same body, same personality, same promo style. I like different. And I like flamboyant. And at that time in the nineties, as a young wrestling fan, I saw this person in WCW. I said, you know, WCW under dusty roads, not so bad. Got so much great talent. Like sting. We have the aforementioned sting. We talked about Brian Pillman, diamond Dallas page, Tom Zink. You know, a lot of these guys, the Steiners are coming up and, you know, the company's doing well, but they had this one guy and he was out there and he's making people smile and he had glitter and he had confetti. And this guy here said, what a big smile. I'm a bad man. I'm a bad man. And it was Johnny be bad. And I watched him brother Labar. I watched him take on the diamond stud, Scott Hall and PN news and all these wrestlers. And I said, you know what? This Johnny be bad. This guy's going to be great in WCW. Then I saw him go to the WWF, and he was there with Sable. And I said, boy, you know, this guy's going to be a fine Intercontinental champion. You know, partnering with Ahmed Johnson and taking on some of the best in the WWF at the time in the mid-'90s. And I said, boy, this Johnny B. Bad, this has got to be one of the greatest black wrestlers I've ever seen. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I thought the entire time... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that Mark Miro was black. That's <laughs> so embarrassed. So, Brotherhood, <laughs> you were on the train for a while until Brotherhood realized that Brother Marrow's not a brother. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> were you watching? Like, were you not? Was, did your TV screen get adjusted? What were you what, what were you seeing or not seeing? I saw a black man act like I saw a black man that looked like Little Richard. That's what I saw. I oh and by the way, I'm not the only one. Do you know how many African American groups that he was involved in aligned with like Jesse Jackson and so many others? They would bring him in. 
to, to be able to talk about issues within the community. And he didn't blink. He would take those gigs. There's fans. I know I'm wow. not alone. Justin, I know I'm not alone. But he would be like, especially being it. All right, so he's in WCW. So a lot of stuff would be in Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, he'd be in Atlanta a lot to being able to do like certain functions and things. And they'd bring him in like, here he is, our brother, Johnny B. Bad. And he'd still be doing the gimmick. <laughs> and he didn't oh say, God. hey, by the way, I'm a white guy with all this glitter and all this rouge. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm just a dude from Buffalo. <laughs> no. Justin, I thought for the longest time, for like a 12-year stretch. You're right. He does look like Little Richard in that time period. You're right. That's the whole thing. The whole gimmick was that he's supposed to look like Little Richard. The little mustache, the hair, everything, the way he spoke. Oh, man. I I, I mean, hey, maybe you're a smarter fan than me, but I thought that Johnny B. Bad was one of the great black wrestlers <laughs> of our time. Until he wasn't. <laughs> Until he wasn't. <laughs> Nope. So, so that's my confession. I have never told anyone that before. Now, listen, people that are smarter on the inside, like, how oh, could he do? It's the 90s, man. We didn't have HDTV. It just blended in with all the other color television shows I was watching. There was no HD. Just standard def. <laughs> I didn't know. So, that was nowhere in my guesses of anything in the realm of what you were going to confess today. <laughs> I told you, man. That's tremendous. That's I've never told anyone that before until today. Brother Labar, what is your confession, <laughs> sir? All right. If you're around for a long enough time in pro wrestling, you have to be able to evolve, right? Business is centered around characters, and you have to be able to reinvent your character if the situation calls for it. Well, this one particular Hall of Famer has had several chapters and versions of himself in his decorated career. Many great chapters filled with memorable moments. But there was one, one period of time, where I felt his character was its weakest and most nondescript. I couldn't stand his big cheesy smile on his face, him running out of the curtain, running east to west on the stage, and every time I had to hear his entrance music, my ears would bleed. I'm talking about 2002 to 2004 Edge. Sucks! You see, when Edge started in WWE, he was different. He was a mystery coming through the crowd. Videos of him raging in dark alleys and subways. Then it was the brood, greatest entrance ever. Then it's the comedic but hardcore tag team of him and Christian. But after all that, he goes solo. There's the long blonde hair singles wrestler in his long trench jacket who wasn't as interesting by himself. Let's just call it what it is. Couldn't define who or what he is other than a guy by himself, nowhere near as interesting as he's been the three years prior. He was big, boring, blah in the mid-card IC title picture. Sure, he he shaved Kurt Angle's bald head, but that's all you got. And all this crap scored by that fucking Rob Zombie song that never gonna stop, never gonna stop. I hear that song, see his immediate jump from the curtain, and I was immediately disinterested. I felt, he felt, he knew this version of himself wasn't going anywhere. I didn't want him to have to screw up Matt Hardy and Lita's relationship to break out of this boring rut, but history was what it was. He would rebound his next evolution as the rated R superstar, crashing ECW pay-per-views, and then a live sex celebration. Awesome. But still, I couldn't get back the two years of him that I had to live through 2002 to 2004. I love Edge. I love Adam Copeland. 
justified Hall of Famer. A lot of big moments in his career. A lot of contributions to the business. His time from WWE in 2002 to 2004 wasn't one of them. I can't stand WWE Edge 02 to 04. Can I get an amen? Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open every day of the week at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Foundation Channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today.